0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would see Christ indeed in his totality and that our hearts might not see him in part, but in whole. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I am uh, convinced that uh, if I were only able to dub Clay Clark's voice in when I'm preaching, uh, I would be that much more of an effective preacher. Uh, He always just does such a great job. Uh, Clay, uh, reading God's word. uh, And uh, I think that it would be helpful uh, for me to have uh, the voice uh, as he does. Uh, And yet uh, it may help, but there is a voice that I know most certainly will help. And that is God's voice. And that is the problem that we encounter in Mark's gospel today is Peter getting in the way of what God would say about Jesus, who he is and what he's come to do. This is a turning point in the ministry of Jesus because the disciples' eyes are opened to who he truly is. They see him as the Messiah. Peter declares it there, in Caesarea Philippi, amidst a great plethora of idols. Uh, this is the only area of Israel, other than a couple little coastal areas, that has been overrun uh, with uh, Greek or Roman. Uh, understandings of religion, and it's there that Jesus takes his disciples and Peter nails it. Who do people say that I am? You are the Christ, you are the Messiah. But then, upon this declaration, Jesus reveals to his disciples what it is that he came to do. That he must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly, Mark tells us. And then Peter responds. Now, how would you... Rebuke someone. I mean, if somebody has really gotten something wrong, if somebody has really wronged you, uh, if you found out uh, that, uh, well, I'm trying to think of an illustration that isn't too close to home for me involving pets. Uh, But if it turned out that someone you're married to has just been feeding the dog from the table uh, for its past 13 years of existence, and that's why uh, the dog has been... uh, How would you rebuke that person? Or someone has done something really bad at work wouldn't you pull them over in private and then launch the rocket? You'd take them to task, but you wouldn't do it publicly. And yet Jesus goes out of his way to do that. Because what does Mark tell us? But turning and seeing his disciples, he wanted them to hear what he had to say. He wanted to make this rebuke very public. And so that's exactly what Jesus does about how wrong Peter was about what Jesus came to do. And Jesus understood that this is the dilemma for many of people. That they can rightly understand who Jesus Christ is, but they can get totally wrong what he came to do. And so he turns to the crowd and begins to teach them. And he gives them the standard for discipleship. The standard for someone who would follow after the Lord Jesus. The standard for someone who would sit at his feet and learn all that he has to say. And all that follows his declaration that if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Everything that follows afterwards is a fleshing out of what it means to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Now, this is bad public relations 101. I mean, if you've just declared, uh, if you've had someone say, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the one that Israel was promised to come and save them, and then you say, here's how it's going to be, there might be a little dent in that because of what Peter said, but the last thing you would want to do is throw gasoline on the fire, which is exactly what Jesus does. Jesus says, not only are you not going to like how I'm going to ransom Israel, how I'm going to save my people, how I'm going to lead my people out of the bondage of sin into the glorious liberty of the gospel. But let me tell you the implications of that for those of you who believe. It's it's not attractive. This is not a great sales pitch. And yet Jesus says this is exactly how it's going to go down. Now, this is hard because I run into countless people who like to say things to me such as, I'd like to think of God as fill in the blank. I'd like to think of God as a friendly Italian grandmother in whose eyes I can do no wrong and who just wants to feed me all the time. Or I'd like to think of God, this is what I heard recently, I'd like to think of God as a social worker. Now, that's all well and good, and indeed, uh, some of those things might be attributes of how God operates and works in the world, but what Jesus says here is that you're not given the option to call God something that He's not. You must reckon with God by how He talks about Himself, with who He says He is. We can't simply... Make God in our own image. That's the great quote from one of the neighbors, that in the beginning, God made man in his own image. And since then, we've been trying to return the favor. Indeed, you can't know God apart from his word. We're known by our words. What if I got up this morning and said to you, you know, I like you, but I'm not going to listen to a word you have to say. In fact, I'm going to recommend that your wife not listen to you either. You don't know anybody apart from how they express themselves through their word. And so in order for us to understand who God is in his totality, we have to understand who he is through his word. And that's why Jesus is saying what he's saying here. Yes, I'm the Messiah, but this is how I'm going to save you. Through suffering and death and to be raised on the third day. And anyone who would get in the way of that, is in league with Satan himself. And whoever wants to follow after me, this is what life is going to look like. Now, when I was in seminary, there was a family there uh, where the husband was training for ministry in England, and they had a son named Johnny. And little Johnny was the most despicable child I'd ever met in my life. Uh, Ill-behaved is not the way to describe him. It was Awful. I, the stories that I could tell but would lose my job over of the things that this child would do. And I still have in my mind his mother's response to everything that little Johnny would do in the life of college. And it was, oh, Johnny, no. I went to school in England, so that's my English accent. Uh, <laughs> Oh, Johnny, no! And uh, and throughout all of college, Johnny would do something in a very public setting, and we could just hear his mother echoing down the hall: "Johnny, no! Johnny, no! Johnny, no!" As she took the child uh, out. Now, why was Johnny so ill-behaved? Because even at five years old, he knew that his mother didn't mean what she said. But Jesus says here, God means it. But often we act as if he doesn't mean it. Or at least that's what we believe. But God does mean it. And he doesn't simply take us by the hand and say, Johnny, no! Jesus is serious when he says, if anyone would come after me, he must take up his cross, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. But then he starts to talk with this, about what this looks like. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his, own, only his soul? What can a man give in return for a soul? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. He's got these dichotomies that he's working with. On the one hand with Peter... Who Jesus is and what he's come to do. And then we have, uh, we have our lives and the gospel. And then we have uh, Jesus and his words. And that's really taking it to a whole new level. Because the first bit of that, I think that most of us could handle. Most of us can handle the idea of Jesus being a messiah of one who loves the world so much that he came. Many of us are fine uh, with uh, having a, a life uh, that follows the teachings of Jesus. Uh, many of us uh, are, rarely find ourselves ashamed of Jesus. But the hard part is when we start talking about the gospel, when we start talking about his death and his resurrection, And when we start talking about his words, again, very few of us have probably ever been in a situation where we've been ashamed of Jesus, although each and every single one of us has. We certainly have been ashamed of Jesus, but we've been afraid to say that we're a Christian or maybe we've dropped the standard a bit uh, in people's behavior because we don't want to be uh, a, a fun sponge in the life of the party. But more likely, we're probably going to be ashamed of his word. When I was uh, playing on the golf team uh, at Oxford, believe it or not, uh, and we would play these matches, and we never played other, we played one university all year, and that was Cambridge. The other times we played matches against other clubs, and they were great clubs, and I had multiple job offers given to me uh, as a result because we were playing men in their 40s, 50s, and 60s who uh, obviously had the kind of job that allowed them to be very good golfers, and so I was interested. (laughs) And we were down playing at Royal St. George's down on the uh, eastern coast of England, and they had this wonderful lunch laid out for us, and while we were sitting there, uh, this man next to me learned that I was studying theology, and he said to me, he said, Well, I I go to church down the road, and I'm an evangelical. Now, what he meant by that was not like the people who are really into Donald Trump, uh, but what he's talking about is an evangelical is one who puts their full faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and actually believes the Bible is God's word and believes in telling other people uh, about Jesus in the sense that the word was used uh, at the Reformation. And so he said, I'm an evangelical, and you saw a physical reaction from the people at the table who sort of froze, and he said, and if you're at Oxford, are you at Wycliffe Hall? And I said, well, I am, actually. And he said, well, then that means you're an evangelical, too. And everybody just sort of turned and looked at me that heretofore I had been harboring some disease that had never, since, had never surfaced uh, or, uh, or emerged. Uh, it's fine to say I go to church and I'm a Christian, uh, but the moment that you say I actually take God's word seriously... That's where the cost of discipleship comes in, and that's when the pinch occurs. In the same way, if I was to go around to churches and say, Are you a Christian church? Well, of course we're a Christian church. Are you a gospel church? That's what Jesus is saying here. Well, what do you mean by that? Do you have front and center, consuming everything that you're about and who you are, as Jesus Christ and Him crucified for sinners? We're not one of those churches. Uh, that's, that's other people. We tend to focus on whatever issue it might be that they want to focus on, but Jesus won't have any of it. He says, no, I'm looking for gospel churches, and I'm looking for men and women who are not ashamed of my words. And so Jesus asks, what am I going to find when I come back? What am I going to see? What am I going to encounter? Uh, This summer I had the opportunity to travel uh, to multiple sort of pilgrimage sites and Lauren and the girls and I were in Switzerland and for some reason they didn't want to go to Geneva with me uh, and to see all the Reformation sites there. And so I went by myself and there I was in St. Pierre's Cathedral where John Calvin preached and over in Lausanne. The key to it is just tell them there's a really good ice cream place nearby and, and and then that gets them there and then when it's not there I'm like, yes, I'm a sinner, I lied, there's no ice cream. But... I uh, went to St. Pierre's and, uh, where, where Calvin preached and then uh, a bunch of us from the Advent were in Edinburgh at St. Giles, the High Kirk of Scotland, where John Knox preached. And every time I go into one of those churches, I wonder, are they the same gospel preaching churches they were under Calvin and Knox? What kind of church are they today? Because it's not a guarantee. What will the Lord Jesus Christ find here at the Church of the Advent when He comes back? Will He find a people committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and His Gospel? And when He uses the word ashamed, what He really means is to not acknowledge. If we're not willing to acknowledge who Jesus really is and what He's come to do, how can we expect Him to acknowledge us? And he knows who he's preaching to because he says this adulterous and sinful generation. He's not talking about licentiousness. That's not what he's, he's not talking about uh, sexual sin. He's using the same imagery that is used time and time throughout the Old Testament of God being the husband to his wife Israel. Jeremiah talks about this at length. We see it most clearly played out in uh, in Hosea, where God says to Hosea, I want you to marry a prostitute named Gomer. I mean, I'd make God repeat that a couple times. (laughs) And why did God have Hosea marry that prostitute named Gomer? Because he wanted people to see his faithfulness to a generation, to a people that were unfaithful To him, people who would forsake his covenant love and go their own way. Oftentimes, and I've already mentioned it before, this idea of the cost of discipleship that is inextricably linked uh, to uh, this passage. But praise God, we didn't just launch into whoever would come after me, let him deny himself we also included the passages about Peter's declaration and Peter's renunciation uh, when he is then rebuked by the Lord Jesus. Because do you know what the real cost of discipleship is? What does it cost for you to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? It costs Jesus' life. That's the cost. The cost that has been incurred by God himself And the bill has been paid in full. Because the bottom line is that most of us do find ourselves ashamed of Jesus. We find ourselves ashamed of his word. We find ourselves uh, not willing to be gospel people. We find that our hearts are adulterous and sinful. And yet, what will Jesus find when he comes back? My prayer is, is that we would find ourselves a people clinging to the cross of Jesus Christ. And that we would understand him in his totality. That we would understand him not as the one who has come as the Messiah simply, or even one who has come to give a great and wonderful teaching, but we would find Jesus Christ as the one who is mighty to save the one who would be handed over to suffering and death and would be raised on the third day. Because that is what Jesus Christ is saying. If you want to be His disciple, if you want to have your life radically changed, it's going back to that. It's going back to Him. It's not trying harder. It's not coming loaded for bear to family Thanksgiving dinner, ready to do battle with your in-laws over who Jesus Christ is and what He says He's done, although that's not a bad idea. But it's us constantly turning back to him. And that's what he says. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. To say, Lord, my heart is adulterous. I am prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And rather than trying to lead triumphantly, Lord, let me dwell beneath your cross and follow after you. Friends, that's the cost of discipleship. To follow after the Lord Jesus, which is to believe in who He is and what He has come to do. And that in this sinful and adulterous world, God would give our hearts the courage to believe unfeignedly in His Holy Gospel. Let us pray. Lord, we read these words and we're convicted by our own sin, but Lord, we thank You that Your arm is never too short to save. And so, Lord, let it be said of us, Uh, that we walk in your footsteps, that we put our hope and trust in you, the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.